This is Timestamp, the podcast dedicated to capturing this moment in time. I'm your host, Amy Breslow. Today's episode, Freedom and Independence. My guest today is Jolana, who identifies as a mother, a woman of color, a creative, and an educator, and uses she, her pronouns. Having freedom and having independence. Um, In the past, I just felt, you know, very locked in with my job, raising my son with my family. I felt like there's all these expectations. And I mean, of course, being a a woman, I feel like there's always expectations or, or norms that are put upon us. But I just feel an overwhelming sense at this time for freedom and independence. So within that, it's like finding, finding myself again, if that makes sense. Like I'm in a self-discovery phase. So I'm redefining what that independence is and what freedom is. But that's the most important thing. I find it extremely challenging because this whole thing is like, a rebirth and I'm having to find myself. So within that, it's painful to some degree and trying to find my freedom. I guess it's a little scary and finding that freedom because then once you have the freedom or you realize that you had it all the time, it's like, so what do I do with myself? What do my days look like? Wow, that's that's a hard one. <laughs> well, I would think in terms of having my freedom and having my independence, teaching from home was great because I definitely felt like I wasn't part of the rat race for that amount of time. Um, you know, I didn't have to struggle through traffic and I could more or less set my schedule. So that was great. And it was ideal for that time. And I know that won't last forever, but in that sense, I am thankful that for that opportunity so that I could see what it would look like if I taught in a different capacity at this time, they have said that we're supposed to go back to, um, physically teaching in the school will rotate the groups. Like one group will do two days a week. And one will do three days a week. And then as they switch, we'll do remote teaching. So that's the most that I know. Um, I know as the time gets closer, I'm sure things will change some. And as the days go on, they'll explain it to us. I'm not afraid of going back into the classroom um, as far as the threat of the virus, because the threat was there before. So the threat will still be there. I'm definitely not 
afraid of that. And if I physically do have to go back into the classroom to teach, um, as far as feeling like I've, I'm going back to the old way of doing things, you know, if you could say it like that, or if I've given up some of my freedoms, that's fine. Um, overall, I'm thankful for that experience to see what it looked like again to teach from home. And it just made me want to explore more opportunities of teaching from home. I guess just going forward, how do I want to define myself for the next quarter of my life? <laughs> you know, before this happened, I was just upset with teaching. You know, I always had a gift for working with youth and I'm always like working with youth, but I just felt that the students I worked with, they were underserved and they weren't getting their needs met as much as they could. I have uh, special education students that I work with, but not necessarily that they're stigmatized. They have learning disabilities and they have a lot of emotional, um, social emotional needs that have to be met. And I just felt like they weren't being met. Um, and even during this time, the needs still were not being met. So I guess my hope going forward is that more supports are put in there for the staff Whenever school gets open, that it seemed like everything was cookie cutter. So I hope within that as well, it's, it's funny, like when I keep saying freedom, that's one of the freedoms that I want. Um, you know, it was great to be home. Like I said, I can I could design my own schedule to a certain degree. But going forward, I would like to design my own content and really tailor the the, the curriculum to the students' needs without feeling like there would be, uh, you know, retribution if I didn't teach the way an administrator wanted me to teach. I teach in the Bronx, but I live in Westchester. So I feel, I feel like the governor, Governor Cuomo, I feel like he's been handling it well. Um, and then, you know, we have de Blasio for the Bronx. He makes the decisions for the school system. So that's kind of rough because de Blasio and Cuomo, it's like they go odds back and forth. But and as far as the city goes, New York City, it feels like things are racially polarized. And um, it's been feeling that way, in my opinion, for a long time, especially in the school system. I felt that way because you have a primarily black and brown population and then you have primarily, um, you know, teachers, administrators that are non-black and brown, they're white and they don't come from the community. So that's hard because a lot of times it seems like some of them, they do try to meet the needs, but you just can't meet the needs if you don't understand, if you just don't understand the cultural norms of, of the group you know, the students. And that's what I've been seeing with the police, with the um, police and law enforcement. It's the same thing. You have black and brown communities that the police, but the police are not from there. They're from surrounding counties like Orange County upstate, or they might be from Long Island. And 
the police oftentimes are afraid or uncomfortable or they just don't know the community or understand it. And then you have the people that live there that are upset with the police because they feel like it's been a lot of brutality over the years. They've seen their, you know, um, cousins and family members, neighbors getting beat up and harassed by the police. So it's a lot of back and forth. So I would say it would be a hard time to be a police officer. It would be a job that I wouldn't want to do. But again, like I compare it to a teacher, the same thing with all this going on. A lot of people don't want to become teachers because they feel like they can't express themselves or the pay is too low or I can't live in the same community that I serve because of everything being so expensive. So that I would say is, is, is really rough. I, I think it's, um, I would hope that some things change because as far as economics, things are very expensive. I'm a college graduate with a master's and I still find it hard to, um, to survive in the city or have the quality of life that I want to have. These are all, these are all hard things because I feel like people do want a certain quality of life where they do want to live better, but there's a lot of things that's working against, that's working against them. And now with the virus, I don't know if things are going to change in a good way. Some things have changed in a good way, but a lot of things, I'm not sure. And they can't go back the way that they used to be, you know? Um, that's pretty rough. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what the next few months are going to bring. support is still there. It'll always be there. I think it's just challenging because I'm a certain age and my mom is a certain age and you have a difference of opinion for generations or a difference of, of viewpoints, I guess, which happens with generations. And then of course, with the virus, it was frightening because I wasn't as frightened, but my mom was very frightened. And she was scared, even with not having any health challenges, she was very frightened about getting the virus. So that created some friction because it's not like I wanted to dismiss how she felt, but I'm like, I just don't, I just don't feel a threat like that. But I'm always going to be supportive of my mom and she's always going to be supportive of me. And I just couldn't, I can't really see raising my son right now without my mom's help. I'm sure that it could be done and I could do it, but I need that help. And I see how it benefits my son is having um, the intergenerational dynamic. So it, it's, it's good. It's good for us all. And um, I definitely think, you know, the pandemic as abrupt as it happened, I'm glad that I have the support of my mom. And I'm sure that she's glad that she has the support of me. Thanks for listening. Timestamp is produced by me, Amy Breslow, with IT support from Alex Moreno. 
Original music composed and performed by Maddie Schuler. You can find us at timestamppodcast.com. I'll be back in one or two weeks with the next episode. Until then, take care and be well. Thank you.